What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the PFN Fantasy Podcast here on the Fantasy YouTube channel and wherever you are digesting your podcast. I'm Derek Tate alongside the one and only Kyle Soppy. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Soppy PFN. My friend, we are heading into week number two, which means we got to talk about some start sit options heading into week number two. I don't know how you are sitting pretty at 1-0 and or 0-1 in your leagues. If you had a tie, I don't know. Let me know how it's going. Soppy, how's it going today? It's going well. I mean, we got through week one. We got a doubleheader on Monday night this week. It's a nice little schedule. We got a, a nice Thursday nighter with a lot of fantasy options. So people need to start thinking about this. I know a lot of people, my wife included, they don't look at their lineup until Saturday night. It's like, well, you've missed a game. You're missing a lot of information here and it can be overwhelming. So help, let us help you get ready for week two. Make this better than week one, no matter how you did in week one. We're going to get you rolling with some start sick guys. We're always available on Twitter, social media, whatever. Hit us up. We're here to help you. So let us do that. You know, someone in one of my dynasty leagues only posted 12 points in week number one because they forgot to set a lineup. And, he, okay. and the person said, oh, I forgot. I'm like, how did you forget? We've week been heading one. into week one for months. We did a rookie draft like in July. How did you not, you know, at least tweak it to have a ready starting lineup? I, wow. Uh, 14 points is a low for week number one. I've never seen that. But I digress. <laughs> Again, if you have, if this is the first time you've ever come across our YouTube channel or our podcast, we would really appreciate if you go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go ahead and hit the like button on this video so you can go ahead and pay homage to Lord Algorithm. And then, of course, click the little bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time we drop any new fantasy football content here on the channel. And of course, you can go over to pfnfantasy.com where you can take a look at our start set optimizer, our trade analyzer. We mm -hmm. also are doing our live streams here on YouTube and over on Twitter from 11 to 12.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings to take your start set questions. Of course, we're going to talk about the actives, the inactives. And speaking of actives and inactives, we're going to be taking a closer look right now Kyle Sapi at the injury status for the number one tight end. Travis Kelsey obviously had a bone bruise. He missed the season opener. He, he suffered that bone bruise like two days in practice prior to the opening matchup against the Detroit Lions. It does look like there's some optimism about him being available for week number two. What are your thoughts? Do you trust him in your lineup if he is a go for week number two against the Jacksonville Jaguars? If he is, I think you lock him in and we get the... We get a nice little buffer zone. They play on Sunday at 1 p.m. So they've got the early kick. And the Thursday nighter has two tight ends that you're starting anyway. So the odds of you having to make a decision on Kelsey before we have any definitive information is, is just not a thing. You're not going to have to worry about it. So if you're panicking and struggling Sunday morning and we get inactives at 1145 and it's like, oh, my God, Kelsey's out again. There are some guys on the waiver wire that are viable. Joe Leverett. Roughly 50% of leagues. He's in my top 10 this week. Jawan Johnson, roughly 60% of leagues. He's up there. And Hunter Henry coming off a big week one, available in almost 95% of leagues. He gets the Dolphins on Sunday night. They're going to have to score. They might have to throw the ball a little bit. So there are options out there. The tight end position falls off a cliff after 7, 8, 9. So you'll be able to replace Kelsey if need be. But I think you're locked and loaded. I think Taylor Swift has mended Travis Kelsey back to health. We're going to get the number one tight end in the world back in our lives in week two. Yeah, so I think it's always pretty simple when it comes to Travis Kelsey. Oh, yeah. If he's active, you're playing him. There's no way that you're going to sit him, even if you are a little bit concerned that he's maybe not 100% for this matchup against the Jags or whether it's next week. If he's active, you're starting him in your mm -hmm. lineup. Speaking of, speaking of start and sits, that's what we're going to be focusing on in this episode of the PFN Fantasy 
podcast. So let's take a look at the running back position, Sapi. Who are who is your number one start option heading into week number two? Well, Kenneth Gainwell is a big pickup on waiver wires this week, and I'm plugging him right in. He's running back 25 for me this week against the Vikings playing tomorrow night. So you're going to have to make that decision. Get him in your lineup sooner than later. And again, always put these Thursday night guys in your lineup. Do not flex them because then you lose some position flexibility. So get him in your lineup. We're watching a rib injury. So you're going to have to monitor that as we approach kickoff tomorrow night. But I mean, 88% of the work out of this backfield in an offense that we expect to be elite. They struggled a little bit. 25 points against the Patriots isn't exactly groundbreaking. They will be better. We saw this with a bunch of high-powered offenses. The Chiefs didn't look great last week either. No concerns there. The Bengals didn't either. Again, these offenses are elite. They've got elite quarterbacks. They're going to be in scoring position, and we've seen mobile quarterbacks open up efficiency on the ground. Kenneth Gainwell inside my top 25 easy, and I'm, I'm playing him with confidence after adding him this week. Is there any concern, though? He actually did not practice due to a rib injury yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this backfield heading into the season felt like a committee. Certainly his week one usage says it's his backfield. So it, since he is dealing with a rib injury and he hasn't practiced, I didn't practice on Tuesday. Is there any hesitation whatsoever with Kenneth Gainwell? I, I love all the points you just made, but that injury, does that play any factor in inserting him in your lineup? Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I mean, he's... The type of option that, like you said, it's a committee situation with a mobile quarterback. So any ding on his workload is going to be a problem. He go, he could go from 16 carries to 11 in short order, and that's going to make it hard to produce top 20 running back numbers. So monitor your status. We'll see going in. The beauty of this is that it's Thursday night. You'll have a good feel for it going in. If you're skeptical, get cold feet with the injury, and you think he's going to be limited, sit him down, reevaluate after the game. We'll see. You'll have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning with us on the YouTube channel to decide how to go about filling your spot, whether that's a Miles Sanders or a James Conner, those boring kind of backs that you can plug in for 10 fantasy points and it's worth it. So I'm playing Gainwell if he's cleared. If he's not and you're skittish, I don't blame you. Sit him and we'll make a decision on Sunday. Yeah, so if, if Gainwell does not go, and let's just put on our tinfoil hat, if he is unavailable, I am okay throwing a dart at DeAndre Swift or sure. if Rashad carry, Penny yeah. is active, maybe Rashad Penny. Probably Boston Scott, though, over Rashad Penny. So I'd have it Swift, um, Boston Scott, and then probably Rashad Penny as far as the pecking order that I would rank those running backs if Gainwell is unavailable. My running back start of the week, though, is Ramondre Stevenson. And he's going up against a Miami Dolphins defense that just allowed over 100 yards rushing by Austin Eckler and a touchdown. Over 90 yards rushing from Joshua Kelly and a touchdown. Oh yeah, they allowed a rushing touchdown to Justin Herbert as well. So three rushing scores on the ground. I understand the efficiency wasn't there last week, but Ramondre Stevenson still led the team in carries over Zeke Elliott, but his involvement in the passing game was something that was very encouraging and continued from last season into week number one. And in this week, I it's a Miami Dolphins offense that put up a ton of points and a ton of yards in week number one. and. To be fair, Mac Jones at least somewhat kept pace, threw for over 300 yards in the opener against a pretty stout Philadelphia mm -hmm. defense. So I, I think the efficiency for Stevenson on the ground will be there. I think it may be a little bit higher scoring because of how the Dolphins looked in the season opener and they were a little susceptible on the ground. So I think that Stevenson's efficiency improves as a runner. I still think he's going to see work as a uh, pass catcher in this backfield. So I kind of like his matchup against Miami in week number one or two. Am, am I crazy here, Soppy? 
<laughs> You're not too crazy. The the Patriots in general just kind of give me the heebie-jeebies here. I'm not starting any of them with a ton of confidence, but I do have Ramondre inside my top 20. Like you said, the pass-catching role, the targets, all that stuff should elevate him. I'm not excited about the efficiency or the long-term outlook. He was saved by a 32-yard catch last week, but he got there, and I expect that to kind of be the same case this week. So, moving on to your second running back start of the week. Who you got, Sabi? Yeah, Jamal Williams, I think, makes a dent in fantasy lineups on Monday night. We got a doubleheader, so a lot of decisions and a lot of matchups are going to come down to that Monday night game. And the scoring equity is just off the charts for this dude. We know he carries the ball inside the five, and we know he's great at it. Last week, only one Saint had more than three carries. More than three. And that was Jamal Williams with 18. A 79% snap share, to me, is all I need to see out of Williams in an offense I trust with a goal line role that we know is there. Carolina gave up a buck 30 with two scores on the ground to Atlanta last week. A run-centric offense, maybe not New Orleans. Cup of tea quite as much, but Williams, the guy in this backfield until otherwise noted, I'm plugging him in and I think he could win you your matchup on Monday night. So the usage obviously heavily favored Jamal Williams in week number one. And the efficiency wasn't there because they went up against a pretty stout Titans rush defense. Yeah. I mean, they, they were literally the stingiest unit against opposing rushing attacks last season. And that kind of carried into week number one. One thing that makes me raise an eyebrow, or at least I'll be keeping a closer eye on Soppy, is the availability of Kendry Miller, Miller. the rookie yeah. from TCU. He was out in week number one with a hamstring injury. We'll see what his participation as the week progresses. But either way, whether M Miller is active or not, I do expect that Jamal Williams is going to lead this backfield against the Carolina defense that was a little susceptible, just a little bit, to an opposing rushing attack in week number one. Uh, my second running back starter of the week is David Montgomery. And last week, the Los Angeles Rams rushing attack produced three rushing touchdowns. I did not see that coming. Uh, I certainly didn't see two of them coming from Kyron Williams, but I digress. David Montgomery, as... Pretty much all of fantasy football Twitter has already commented on. Saw 21 touches to Jameer Gibbs, 9. And he was far less efficient on a per-touch basis, which kind of feels like a little bit of deja vu from the backfield yeah. <laughs> the, for, the, for the Lions last year with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. But it seems as if, at least in the early parts of the season, that the veteran is probably going to see a little bit more work than the dynamic talented rookie. And as long as that kind of touch share continues, I'm going to continue to put David Montgomery in my lineup as a running back too, then I trust is going to see a lot of work, probably see more carries on a weekly basis and dominate that goal line work against a Seattle defense that wasn't all that fantastic in week number one against a Rams offense that didn't even have Cooper, Cooper Cup. So... Tell me I'm crazy. I know you're high on Jameer Gibbs. I like Jameer Gibbs as a buy low. I'm a little bit higher on Montgomery than you, I think. You are. I think uh, Gibbs is the better play this week and moving forward. But Montgomery or Jamal Williams, if you had to pick one to put in your lineup, who you got? Probably this week, again, yeah. I'd say Jamal Williams. Okay. Jamal Williams. Then we're, it's we're it's really there. close, but I just feel like there's less competition for touches there in New Orleans, unless Kendry Miller makes a miraculous recovery and they automatically start giving him 10 to 15 carries. So I would say probably Jamal Williams, but it's it's not by much. It, these two are very similar. I keep feeling like I feel like they're tied at the hip when they we are. keep talking about them right now. Um, so let's go ahead and pivot, though. We talked about some of the plays that we like and some of our starts at the running back position. Who's your running back sit? of the week 
Yeah, I was a big Khalil Herbert guy coming into the season, and I still am. I mean, you can have a bad week and still be a good running back. Both things can be true, and I think that'll be the case with Herbert. My running back 33 for this week going against the Bucks. The Bucs can't defend the pass, but they can sure stop the run. That's going to be a problem. I mean, all three running backs in Chicago played over 20 snaps and ran at least 12 routes. Yes, it was a blowout, so some of that's a little skewed. But the point remains, we're talking a committee situation against a stout run defense that I, I'm really not going out of my way to target in the first place, let alone for somebody that I don't think is going to really exceed 15, 16, 17 touches. For me, Herbert outside looking in at flex spots and lineups for week two. So are you concerned that he's going to lose any significant work to whether it be Donta Foreman or Roshan Johnson as well? Because we we saw Roshan Johnson lead the team in snaps. I understand that most of that took place during when the game got out of hand by multiple scores. But is there any concern that there is Herbert is is going to be kind of stuck in a committee or could lose this lead role at all uh, after week one's usage? There's some concern, not much though. I still think he's the guy in town. I'm more worried about the quality of touch in this game than I am the quantity. Tampa Bay didn't give up a 10-yard run in week one to the Vikings side. I struggle to see him getting there, and I don't think there's a ton of scoring equity for any of the running backs because of what Fields does. So I think you're looking at a single-digit performance, and that puts him outside my top 30. Yeah, so I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have Vita Vea that you kind of just... He's huge. <laughs> he, he's, he's huge. He's hard to move off his spot uh, in, in those in the A-gap or, on, you know, in the zero technique. And then, you, you know, you've drafted Kalijah Kansi. And, of course, you have those rangy linebackers uh, in Devin White and Levante David. So, yeah, staying away from the Buccaneers uh, as far as opposing running back fringe flex options, I understand. I'm going to stay away from Raheem Mostert. As much as I was a huge fan of his outlook heading into week number one. We did see that Salvin Ahmed was healthy. I do think that Devin A-Chain is probably going to be available in week number two. And while Raheem Mostert did find the end zone, I wasn't thrilled with his production against the Los Angeles Chargers in week number one. It seems like this offense, while they've said that they want to run the ball more, I'm going to believe it when I see it. And against the New England Patriots, that held the potent Philadelphia Eagles rushing attack under 100 yards rushing in week number one. I'm going to go ahead and stay away from the pass-heavy lead, quote-unquote, <laughs> running back for the Miami Dolphins uh, against the New England Patriots. Yeah, I don't mind that call. I mean, that, that's going to be a pass-centric offense. Most of it really didn't shine in a spot that we thought he could against a bad Chargers defense. So he's, he's a fringe RB2 for me. I'm with you. So moving on to your running back two that you want to go ahead and stay away from. I have a feeling you might be just kind of grouping all these guys together, but uh, I don't want to speak for you. So who's your running back set of the week for week number two? Yeah, I'm going to make this easy for the good people out there. If we've got a committee situation and you don't feel good about it, bench everyone. Every one of them. I'm not touching committees with the Rams, the Commanders, the Ravens. I want no part of any of those offenses. They're all pretty much ranked outside my top 30 this week. I'm not flexing them if I if I can avoid it. Like, we don't know where the touches are going, and we're not sure that the quality of touch is even that good. The Rams are going against the 49ers, and they struggle with efficiency against anyone. I don't think any of us think Akers or Williams is going to be overly efficient, and if they're dividing the touches, I'll pass. Washington in Denver, they just held Josh Jacobs to 19 carries, and he didn't have a single carry gain more than seven yards. Nobody in Washington is as good as Denver. Or, I'm sorry. Nobody in Washington is as good as Jacobs going against Denver. So I'm benching everybody there. Baltimore just lost J.K. Dobbins. They get the Bengals defense. That's not bad, but I, I'm not sure what the role is. I'm not even sure who's going to lead this team in touches. I'm not 100% sure who gets the goal line carries. And we saw Zay Flowers, your guy, 
excel. So do they just go to an air-centric attack against the Bengals, in which case neither of Gus Edwards or Justice Hill is that great of a pass catcher, so they don't gain value there. So committees with the Rams, commanders, Ravens, miss me with it in week two. I want no part of it. Yeah, the Baltimore offense and that running back situation, it, I understand that their priority adds on waiver wires. You mm -hmm, definitely sure. should go ahead and try to go get Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, but deploying them in week number one, while we don't know what the really the the you know target share or snap share is going to be. I, in fact, I'm not trusting that any of these running backs are going to catch more than 30 passes in 2023 season, until I yeah. start seeing the Ravens throw the ball to the running back on a consistent basis. Um, so I understand staying away from these committees, in particular if you don't like the matchups. Uh, my other running back sit of the week is James Conner. I'm still just very hesitant to trust the the skill position players for the Arizona Cardinals. Look, I understand that his efficiency wasn't, he wasn't terrible by any stretch in week number one against the, the commanders. And he's the volume play out of this backfield. So you can do worse than James Conner. I just think that they're, the ceiling is just so capped. They didn't score an offensive touchdown in week number one. And the Giants were just humiliated on national foot uh, on national television against the Dallas Cowboys, uh, got shut out <laughs> forty to nothing. So, so I, I just really believe that it, it. I don't believe that the Arizona Cardinals offense really truly has an identity quite yet, and they're kind of figuring it out as they go. Could I see the Giants having a big bounce back performance in in week number two after yes, being sir. you know embarrassed on in week number one? I do. So I'm, I'm just I'm staying away from from James Conner in my lineup. I think that there's better options at the running back position. Wide receiver start of the week. Hit us with it right now, Sappy. Yeah, I'm coming out firing a little bit here. I think Jahan Dotson isn't just a start of the week. I think he's the commander receiver to play this week. I've got him at wide receiver 23 going against the Broncos defense that, you know, has its ups and downs, but they've got Patrick Sertan, and we just saw him lock into Devontae Adams. And know what that did? That made this guy look good because Jacoby Myers was running wild against the rest of that secondary. So I'm going to target the same matchup and say that that was a spot play for Myers. It's a spot play for Dotson. I think he, I mean, he had more catches than McLaurin in the first place last week anyway. If we see those targets and we know he's a downfield threat, I mean, Jacoby Myers, literally wide receiver three last week with 20 fantasy points. I'm not saying Dotson gets there, but I do think there's a real chance he's on the receiving end of a big pass. I think he sees just as many, if not more targets. And I like the quality of those targets over that of McLaurin. I think both are starters. Dotson, my commander, wide receiver one for week two. So Sapi slipped in a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger type of flex on Jacoby Myers there. Don't think I didn't won't, notice won't it. Won't be Pal, the last but, one. Don't worry. But but it was, you know, off to a great start with your Jacoby Myers oh, pick. Yeah. So I certainly understand the value of potentially a number two excelling alongside, uh, staying away from Patrick Sertan in the shadow mm -hmm. job that, I just argue, hopefully, Sertan isn't shadowing Jahan Dotson. I, I think he yeah, will sometimes be all over Terry McLaurin, but you know, I think that there's a real 1A, 1B situation that could be playing out there for the commander's pass-catching pecking order. My wide receiver start of the week is Zay Flowers, and he's going oh, up yeah. against the Cincinnati Bengals defense. That, you know, I, I think that they're a quality unit. I don't think that they're terrible by any stretch, but it's more so the, the involvement in the passing game that we saw from Zay Flowers in week number one that you just have to be super excited about. And, you know, I, I, I've seen on Twitter that, oh, well, you know, Zay Flowers, you know, was just catching screen passes all day. 
No, it wasn't. Go back and watch the tape. This kid is electric. Yeah, I like the fact that they want to go ahead and throw him screens so he can create after the yes. catch like we saw him do in week number one. But don't get it twisted. This kid can get vertical. He can beat you on all three levels of the field. He hit a nasty little whip route in that game that um, isn't qualified as a screen pass. This kid, I believe, has already established himself as the number one wide receiver in Baltimore, and I'm not trying. I've been pump. I, I've been banging that drum all yeah. off season, and I think that the proof was in the pudding in week number one. And to be honest with you, the Ravens' offense through the air really struggled in week number one outside mm -hmm. of Zay Flowers. So I think that there's room for more production from this passing game moving forward. And I, I expect the Cincinnati Bengals to put up more than three points in week number two after laying an egg in week number one. So Agreed. I think this game, while I don't think that this game has a chance to, you know, be as high scoring as like the Dolphins and Chargers from week number one, I do think that these teams are going to go back and forth and say Flowers is going to be peppered with targets in particular if Mark Andrews is available, unavailable again in week number two. Yeah, I mean, I think it's time to give Zay his flowers like you've been doing all offseason, a 48% target share in that game one. And he just looks slippery. Like, I really don't care if they're giving him screen passes. And that's if that's a knock on him, it elevates his floor because those are high volume, high percentage targets. And if nobody can tackle him, they could be 15 or 20 yard gain. So I'm with you there. Zay Flowers making his way into lineups on a consistent basis. And he's establishing himself as the alpha receiver in Baltimore. We'll continue to monitor it, but, you know, as we continue on with this show, who's your second wide receiver start of the week? It's Gabe Davis, and I'll speak up for Kyle Yates. His voice is hurting right now, so both he and I were high on Gabe Davis entering the season. Kind of struggled in week one, but all of Buffalo did. He struggles on the road in divisional games, so it wasn't a spot we expected him to thrive, and he, he didn't. Two catches for 32 yards is ugly. Forget it. That doesn't hurt you this week against a Vegas defense that I don't trust. They gave up... 15-yard completions of four different Bronco receivers in a limited passing game situation last se or last week. The Bills, touchdown plus favorite this week in a bounce-back spot against the Raiders. Gabe Davis has scored seven times in his 11 games with at least four catches over the course of his career. I think he's getting at least four catches, which means I think he's dancing this week. Gabe Davis just inside my top 30 this week at the position. I understand that you're not panicking after week number one. I'm just curious, though. It, I know it was a mess of a game for Josh Allen. You know, turned the ball so over bad. four times. It, it was it was rough. It was really, really, really rough uh, outing. He knows it. I think he'll be better. Mm -hmm. And if he's better, then I expect all of the pass catchers to benefit from it. Um, I, I obviously Stefan Diggs is still the alpha in this oh, yeah. pass catching offense, uh, unquestioned. But we saw Dawson Knox still involved. We saw Dalton Kincaid catch yeah. four, passes, four passes. We saw James Cook see six targets and four receptions. Is there any worry that he could just get lost in the shuffle and he's more of a touchdown-dependent big play option? Uh, I understand that that might be here in this game, which mm -hmm. is why he's a, he's a, he's a, 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 nice, uh, a nice start. It's just, are you concerned about his rest of the season outlook after his week one usage? moderately concerned i mean we've seen him be this touchdown dependent big play guy for three seasons now so yeah i mean until he proves otherwise he is that but he was sixth in route runs last season and i do think as this buffalo offense gets going he's going to be on the field tethered to josh allen next to stefan diggs to me that's an equation i'm willing to bet on more often than not but yeah he's going to come with his fair shares of peaks and valleys i just think we hit a hit a ceiling type of game this week or at least a usable wide receiver three flex kind of 
game. So we'll move on to my second start of the week, and it wasn't very pretty uh, in week number one. And he, he was a guy that I was banging the table about, and that's DJ Moore, uh, the Chicago Bears wide receiver. You know, two catches, 25 yards on just two targets. Just two targets. Yeah. Even though Justin Fields, actually, if you take his pass attempts from week number one, it was more than he threw the ball in any game last season. So it does look like the Bears want to throw the ball more, and I, I believe they trust Justin Fields to develop as a passer. The problem is when you go back and look at some of the tape, there were some missed opportunities down the football field to DJ Moore that I think that Fields was playing a little bit too tight. This week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I expect that he's going to take some more deep shots down the football field, and it could be a big week for DJ Moore, who has given the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary some issues in the past when he was a member of the Carolina Panthers. We just saw Justin Jefferson, you know, go for nine for 150 against this secondary. And I'm not saying Moore is as good as Justin Jefferson, but I'm saying that there are big play capabilities in this, uh, against this secondary with how aggressive Todd Bowles can be. And I expect that he's going to try to heat up Justin Fields in week number two. Fields is just on him to push the ball down the field and not just try to protect the ball and not turn it over. He has to take his shots when they're there. I do think he takes more shots down the field in week number two, and I think it benefits DJ Moore in a big in a big way. Yeah, he's a wide receiver too for me. I think you're plugging him in. You knew volume could be an issue in the Chicago offense, and we saw that in week one, and we'll probably see it four or five more times this season, but you take the good with the bad. I think better times are ahead for DJ Moore, like you said. Yeah, and better times are ahead. Maybe not for some of these players because we're getting to our wide receiver sits. Soppy, who's your number one wide receiver sit of the week? Yeah, and I don't want this to be hot takey or to get plastered all over the internet or anything, but Garrett Wilson in the first game of this Zach Wilson era, I, wide receiver 27 for me. I get that we drafted him as a top 10 guy. That was all under the assumption that he was going to be Devontae Adams to Aaron Rodgers. Well, guess what? Aaron Rodgers has a ruptured Achilles, and my man's going to be watching this game with the rest of us wondering why Garrett Wilson can't get the darn ball. He scored a touchdown from Zach Wilson last week. I get it. That wasn't even a good throw. Like my man had to like bend gravity to make a catch on a five-yard flex route kind of fade to the corner. Like Zach Wilson isn't putting the ball where it needs to be. And is Garrett Wilson good enough to make the most of those plays? He is, but I don't want to bank on it. Is he any different than DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, or Michael Pittman, these wide receiver ones? with questionable offenses and questionable quarterbacks and inconsistent play. To me, he's not. And to me, that puts him on the fringe of flex radar. I think the Jets really tried to establish a run. And we saw him run for over 170 yards in the opener. And that's the only way you're going to manage this pass rush of the Cowboys. So give me Garrett Wilson on the bench if you can at all. If you have Dotson, I'm playing him Dotson over Garrett Wilson. Like I said, Garrett Ooh. Wilson in Dallas, wide receiver 27 for me in week two. I was out of curiosity. I'll ask you, <clears throat> I'll hit you with a couple other names. Um, would you start George Pickens or Garrett Wilson in week number two? I have Pickens a few spots higher. The injury to Deontay Johnson opens up targets. And like you said, I think that game gets going up and down. I have bet it over 40 points right now. So I think that game gets flying. Pickens makes a big play. I don't think Wilson has big play in his arsenal right now. So I will say that this Dallas Cowboys defense is also a unit that a I problem. think is going, is going to be a problem. And I think the pass rush is going to heat up Zach Wilson considerably more than it did in week number one, because Micah Parsons is that dude. Uh, oh and not to mention, I, I know, I, I know that the, the, the weather conditions weren't exactly favorable for 
throwing the football. I mean, Dak Prescott didn't even top 150 yards passing in the contest, but I mean, it wasn't any better for Daniel Jones and and the, the Dallas Cowboys defense didn't allow any wide receiver to register more than 25 yards receiving. Like they were, they put the clamps on these guys and Garrett Wilson's a different animal. I get it than any giants wide receiver, but I'm kind of with you. The recipe for the Jets to be competitive in this contest is to establish a run, run the football, and play stingy defense. And unfortunately, I don't think that that equals a big fantasy day for Garrett Wilson. So my number one wide receiver sit of the week, though, is George Pickens. Oh, okay. Um, So who would you play? So so I'm starting Garrett Wilson because I just – I believe that there's there's more – formation and route versatility for Garrett Wilson. You can move him all over the formation as opposed to uh, Pickens is kind of more your traditional split out boundary receiver uh, who wins on the outside. So I, right. But he's, you know, Gabe Davis plus, I mean, I love, I personally am very high on Pickens, but we just saw the Cleveland Browns put it on not only T. Okay. Higgins, who got goose-egged on eight targets, but also Jamar Chase only had 39 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. So I understand Deontay Johnson's going to be out with a hamstring injury for this upcoming week. And the targets, sure, the targets could be there, but it was nine targets for Jamar Chase, eight for T. Higgins, and they combined for five receptions and 39 yards against this Brown secondary in week number one. So hopefully the weather conditions are a little bit more favorable I, I'm not saying that Pickens is going to get goose-egged, but Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense didn't look great in week number one. I know they played the 49ers defense, but this Browns defense looked just as good as the Niners in week number one. It's another tough matchup. I'm staying away from Pickens, even though I am a believer in him long-term for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't mind that. He definitely carries some risk, and I'm not saying he doesn't. And This Pittsburgh offense really needs to show me something. I was high on him in the preseason, and I was dead wrong for week one. But again, like you said, that's the 49ers. We'll see if it sustains. But yeah, no, I get the concern. So speaking of concern, who else are you concerned about at the wide receiver position and sending to your bench for week two? And I'm going a little further down the ranks here. And if you're considering Brandon Cooks, like don't. Save yourself the time. I get the big name. I get that he does a 1,000 yards for every team he plays for. And that there will be games. And that this Dallas offense will be better with time through the air. Maybe. I don't like Dak. I don't think he's a great fantasy option. This team doesn't want Cooks to produce. They don't want to do things through the air. I'm not sold this offense has any chance of sustaining two viable fantasy pass catchers on any sort of regular basis. And if it and if they do, maybe it's Ferguson and his seven targets. Maybe it's Gallup. It, should, it might be Pollard. Like This offense just isn't that explosive for me, and they know it. This could be an ugly game with the Jets. I mean, we just saw the Jets play, what was that, 22-16? Like one of those weirdo score games. It could be something like that. Sauce Gardner not moving around the formation. So I don't think he shadows CeeDee Lamb, which means he's going to see a fair share of Brandon Cooks from time to time. I don't think Cooks gets past five targets. And without that, he's not going to be a top 35 receiver. See, uh, it, this game doesn't feel like one that's going to be very high scoring, right? No. So I think that the Cowboys are going to be able to lean on their defense. They're going to be able to lean on Tony Pollard. And all of a sudden, it feels like there's three pretty competent wide receiver options in this Cowboys passing attack. And oh, by the way, Kellen Moore, who likes to push the ball vertically down the field, he's no longer the play caller right. for this offense. He's in Los Angeles. So 
I, I'm with you that I have a little bit of concern about this passing attack being able to sustain multiple pass catchers for the rest of the season, but it, namely in week number two, when I feel like they can just lean on their defense and the running game to get the job done. So my week two sit at the wide receiver position, and he was somebody that I was kind of fading in week number one, and it, it ended up being right, and I'm kind of going to stay with it, and that's Terry McLaurin of the okay. Washington Commanders. So, I mean, the matchup against the Cardinals, this game was more competitive than I would have hoped same, <laughs> for, for the Commanders. Uh, and Sam Howell threw for over 200 yards. The issue is Curtis Samuel led the team with 54 receiving yards. Then Jahan Dotson doubled the reception production of Terry McLaurin. He had mm -hmm. five reception to McLaurin's two. And I'm not saying Terry McLaurin isn't a great player, but all of a sudden, you start taking a look at, at the fact that they're going up against this secondary that features Patrick Sertan. And if Sertan is going to shadow Terry McLaurin, again, we don't know that. No. But if it it's, it, it's within the range of outcomes. And if Sertan is going to be checking McLaurin in this one, and they did a decent job on Devontae Adams, then, yeah, I'm kind of with you that Dotson feels like the better play, which means I'm going to fade Terry McLaurin, because I just don't see Sam Howe having a big enough day against this Denver secondary to make two commanders, wide receivers, viable fantasy options. Agreed. Are you taking the leap? You putting Dotson ahead of McLaurin this week? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I, yeah, like I, put, it. Let's... I put Dotson. I put Dotson ahead again ahead of McLaurin in week one. There you so, go. You got it right then. Yeah. We'll get it right two for two. Stay consistent, baby. Courage and conviction, except when it comes to DeAndre Swift. Moving on to the quarterback position. Uh, Sapi, who's your quarterback start of the week here in week number two? I'll keep this short. We finally saw what we wanted from Anthony Richardson. Now he gets the Texans. What's not to like? He's a top 10 guy for me. We saw 47 opportunities in week one against Jacksonville. That's five more than Jalen Hurts averaged last season. If you're putting the ball in his hands upwards of 50 times in a game, an athlete like that is just going to produce fantasy points. It might not be pretty, but 28% of his targets went to Michael Pittman, so he knows where to throw the ball. He knows to run. He got the short touchdown. I think all of that's sustainable. Anthony Richardson, top 10 guy for me this week and moving forward. I was very, very encouraged by Anthony Richardson. I, 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 was, I was probably the... Of the two Kyles and of the normal crew here at the uh, PFN Fantasy Podcast, I was kind of the one trying to exercise a little bit of caution. restraint, caution, yeah. I guess you would call it, for deploying Anthony Richardson into your lineup in week number one. And boy, oh boy, he looked far better as a passer than I expected him to in week number one. I knew he was mm -hmm. a dynamic playmaker with his legs, but he he looked the part in a lot of scenarios and certainly his connection with Michael Pittman is incredibly encouraging. So I'm with you there with Anthony Richardson for me, my quarterback start of the week. What does this guy have to do to start cracking the top 12 at the quarterback position? Brock Purdy again, Brock Purdy, all six starts five last season, one this season on the road against Pittsburgh. He has thrown for multiple touchdown passes in all six starts, he has never finished lower than the quarterback 14 with any of his starts. And last week, he was the quarterback 11 in fantasy formats. And this week, he's going up against a very young and inexperienced Los Angeles Rams defense. They did a good job, a very good job, against a very talented group of skill position players for the Seattle Seahawks. They held Geno Smith, I think, to like 112 yards passing and just one score to DK Metcalf. 
but am I willing to double down on the Los Angeles Rams duplicating that type of defensive performance in the secondary against the San Francisco 49ers? I'm not. I'm betting on Brock Purdy having another big week. And until we see otherwise, his fantasy floor is as consistent as any other player that's ranked inside the top 15. I'm not, maybe not the, obviously the top elite guys, but anywhere ranked from like six to 15, I feel confident every single week that Purdy is going to put up right around that top 12 type of fantasy numbers on a weekly basis until we see otherwise. All right, time to put a number to it then. You're saying top 12. We got to rank them here. Uh, Purdy or Anthony Richardson? I love the upside with Anthony Rip- Richardson on the ground. Okay. I'm, I want to see it one more week before I put him ahead of Purdy. Okay. I, I actually really like the matchup for Purdy too. And I thought the Houston defense looked a lot better than – we, we want to go they're, ahead and just chalk tough. it up. To, they're tough. No. They're D'Amico Ryans. He has already kind of put his personality to, to that side of the football. I thought they made life way more difficult for the, the talented Ravens offense. And Lamar Jackson, who is also a great dual threat quarterback – he had a rough week against this Houston okay. Texans defense. So I'm actually thinking I would rather go with Purdy this week. It's it's very close. They're both going to be very close in my rankings. But the Houston defense showed us something in week number one. So did the Rams. But I'm a bigger believer in the Houston defense than I am in the Rams defense. If you're asking me right now who I think has a better outlook heading for the rest of the season. All right. One word answer here for a couple more quarterback streaming options. Compared to Purdy, because if you have Purdy, the odds are good you have another quarterback on your roster. So I want to see where Derek Tate's drawing the line. You've got Deshaun Watson and Brock Purdy. You going Watson at Pittsburgh or Purdy? I'm going Purdy. All right. How about Geno? Go either quarterback in that game. Geno football or Jared Goff? Either one of those guys or Purdy? I still feel more con- I feel right, more yeah. confident in Purdy. You're I mean, your money I, where your mouth Geno, is. Geno Smith, Geno Smith really struggled in week number one. I do think he he, he'll be better, but he struggled mm-hmm. in week one. And and do I think that uh, one word answer? You said I'll go Purdy. <laughs> okay, no, you're. Yeah, it's. I had a hard time getting him higher than quarterback fifteen. I'm with you on the floor. It's just there's. It it's such a tight packed range, and the lack of rushing scares me a little bit. But I'm with you. The floor has just been phenomenal for every time we've seen this guy. You can't do much more than that. He even ran for 20 yards last week. So not I'm, counting not on saying, that. I'm not trying to make a case for Ant- or Brock Purdy being a great dual threat quarterback. But uh, quarterback sit of the week, who do you got? Yeah, primetime Kirk Cousins. This has only been a trend for like a decade now. So I'll pass on that tomorrow night. He's quarterback 16 for me. He lacks the rushing ability. This Philadelphia defense is going to be a lot better than it was last week. They're not giving up. 54 pass attempts like they did to Mac Jones last week. It's going to be a ball control Philly offense. The reason we liked Cousins last week was the matchup against the Bucs, and he completed 33 passes. I'm not sure he throws 33 passes here. Of course, he has Justin Jefferson, so there's that upside, but he's not a 15, top 15 guy for me, and I'll bench Kirk Cousins. Okay, okay. Um, for me, it's Dak Prescott yeah, against the sure. New York Jets. So, I mean, we were talking about what I think the recipe is going to be if the Jets try to make it competitive, but I also just don't think that the Jets are going to be able to score enough points Agreed. to force Dak Prescott to have to throw the ball like 35, 40 times. I think it's going to be more of a ball control field position game, and they just kind of lean on a great defense and try to establish the run with Tony Pollard, who had a nice week number one. So tight end starts of the week. Sapi, who you got? Yeah, give me Gerald Everett. This is kind of a special if you're sitting Kelsey or you have any of these 
premier tight ends that are dealing with injuries. Like, it's just been a mess. But I think you do have a bounce back game for this Chargers offense. 40 rush attempts like they had in week one just isn't the plan for this offense. It's not why they brought in Kellen Moore. They wanted to keep Miami off the field. I get that. That's not going to be the case with Tennessee. The only thing Tennessee does well is defend the run. Austin Eckler's banged up, so I really see this being a pass-centric offense. Dalton Schultz had five games with double-digit fantasy points under Kellen Moore last season. I think we see number one of those for Gerald Everett this week. Gerald Everett, my tight end 10 for week two. Is there any concern with Donald Parham? Parham, who- yeah. Parham, Parham, uh, Parham, three three catches, 21 yards, and actually found the end zone to Gerald Everett's two catches for 21 yards. Is there, and and then you have all the other mouths to feed, you know, we'll see about Austin Eckler's status. He's dealing with an ankle injury right now, but you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnston, is there any concern about Everett losing looks and snaps to Parham? There's moderate concern. I mean, Parham's six foot eight. Like I, I would throw Shaq the ball in the end zone too. Like that's that's not breaking news here. And I do think Parham has a role, but I don't think it's going to be as voluminous as Everett's. I trust Everett to lead that position in targets more often than not. If he's getting six, seven, eight targets from Justin Herbert, he's going to be a top ten tight end, especially in this matchup. So I'm going to go to your Green Bay Packers, Soppy, and I'm going to continue to try to convince you on your own team that these guys are worth starts. And uh, Jordan Love had a a very nice, encouraging debut, 245 yards through the air to go with three scores. And I understand that Musgrave only saw four targets, had three catches for 50 yards, but I thought he could have had a much better... There was a little bit of meat left on that bone, and on that... He caught a, uh, you, you, you mentioned yesterday on yesterday's podcast that it was a, a scramble play. It was actually a dialed up tight end sneak where Musgrave starts on the play action side of the formation, sneaks underneath all of the linebackers and then kind of jets up the left sideline. Unfortunately, Jordan Love was kind of pressured on the play and kind of like off his back foot through a fadeaway jumper that kind of died on him around like the 10 yard line. And then Musgrave compounded the issue by losing his balance and falling down around the five. So that could have been a, a 41 yard touchdown that ended up being a nice, you know, 35 yard gain or so, but he still could have found the end zone. Love missed him wide open on a, on a corner route as well. If Christian Watson is unavailable, I still believe that Musgrave's going to have a consistent role in this in this offense. And against the Atlanta Falcons, who in week number one gave up, I think it was five receptions for 50-something yards and a touchdown to Hayden Hurst, yeah. I, I could see Musgrave having a, a, a fringe top 10 week and potentially sneak into the top five if he's able to find the end zone. Okay. You're selling me a little bit. Still outside my top 10 at the position, but I, I get where you're going here, and I'm not against it. I'm all for Green Bay production, but I'm sitting the other tight end in that game. Kyle Pitts, great first name, but that's about all my man offers these days. 18 passes for the Falcons. You're just walking such a thin line. He has to be an elite target earner and has to make do with those. I get that Ritter was ultra-efficient with his 18 attempts in week one, but there's just no room for error in this offense, and Quite frankly, I'm not sure there's room for two pass catchers. So if Drake London bounces back at all, Kyle Pitts is in a spot. Green Bay wants to run the ball and control the clock. Atlanta wants to do the same. We could be looking at one of those 23 to 16 kind of games, and that doesn't scream value for me. Kyle Pitts behind Gerald Everett, my tight end 11 in week two. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear someone 
you know, talk about sitting Kyle Pitts because Pitts has just so much God-given ability and one of the best tight end prospects pass catching wise that's ever come into the NFL, in my opinion. But, it, you know, the, the production and, and his situation, similar to that of Drake London in the same offense, that the opportunities traditionally have not really been there in week number one. The, the usage was a little bit concerning, and, and the passing offense as a whole, I think, leaves a lot to be desired for the likes of Kyle Pitts and Drake London. So at the tight end spot, I've been a huge fan of Tyler Higby all season, and I thought he was okay in week number one, but I did not see Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua both going for over 100 yards receiving in wow. the season opener without Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, Puka Nakua saw 15 targets, led the Rams by a wide margin. And I think that Nakua is going to see a lot of work in week number two. The thing about this matchup though, why I'm staying away from Tyler Higby, the 49ers put the clamps on the tight end position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in week number one, Kenny Pickett threw the ball 46 times. You want to know how many receptions and yards that Darnell Washington and Pat Fryerbooth combined for one catch for three yards. Touchdown at least. <laughs> Touchdown, I get it, but the the overall involvement, yeah, I, 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 that's, that is the definition of touchdown dependence. So um, I'm going to go ahead and stay away from that Niners group of, of elite-level linebackers and, and some quality safety play. I'm with you there. I like the call. I think this is a good podcast. we got people ready to get rolling for week two. That's our job. Now that you're ready, take in all the PFN content. We've got rankings. We've got streamers. We've got sit-start. We've got a little bit of everything. This podcast... It's like an appetizer. It got you ready for week two. Now dive in, get ready, get yourself a W, and come back for week three, and we'll get you over 500. Absolutely. Again, if you have not yet done so, go ahead and click the like button to pay homage to Lord Al Algorithm here on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, if you are listening via podcast, go ahead and rate and review our podcast. Give us five stars. That's all that we ask. We produce a lot of free fantasy football content over at pfnfantasy.com. Check out our start sit optimizer, our trade analyzers, but also if you have start sit questions particular to week number two, Soppy, myself, Kyle Yates, we're going to be conducting live streams, ask me anything for your start sick questions from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. leading up to kickoff for the 1 p.m. games every Sunday morning. For Kyle Soppy, I'm Derek Tate. Until next time, later, says the Tater.